Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, my name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's such an honor to be gathering with you on August 8th, middle of the summer, and I'm so pumped to be here with you today. You guys been partying hard over the summer? Are you loving that you don't even have to pick up a cigarette to get smoke in your lungs right now? Is it the best? <laughs> it's, it's so terrible outside. My allergies have been wrecking me. I don't know about you guys, but it has been really, really rough. Um, let, let me ask you a question. We, we've been in this series called uh, uh, God's Heart and Our Heart, and it's a series out of, out of this letter from a guy named John who was uh, quite possibly Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet. So we're just kind of leaning in to learn from John what it is to, to follow Jesus, to know Jesus, and, and to, to really understand his love for us and what it means to walk with him. So let me ask you a question. How, how do you respond under pressure? I don't know if anybody's like actually feeling pressure right now, but how do you respond? Like when the pressure hits, what's the response for you? Like some of you, you know, you get, you get that type A, like when, you, when pressure hits, you like hit your A game, right? Some of you in the room, anybody? Just me, right? We just like attack pressure, like pressure feels good. You're like, yeah, that's like where I'm at my best. I live for the pressure moments. It's when I get to show up and be strong and it's awesome and that's when my personality comes alive and when there's not pressure, I'm kind of bored. Just me. Cool. Well, the rest of us are going to get along great after this. Some of you, right, pressure comes in, and that's when you hit, like, your D game, right? Like, that's just, pressure hits, and you're like, I'm out. I'm going to go just disappear. I'm, I'm going I'm to cut out. So seriously, think about it. When pressure hits your life, and I'm just talking about general pressure, all of us have different pressure points, right? Like, things that, that kind of, honestly, we're being honest, like, like they, they get to us, and so it's probably different for you than it is for me. Things that, like, cause the ugly to come out of you, like, or, or things that cause you to shut down, or, or things that cause you to run to um, certain things, or, or to medicate with, like, you know, substances, or, or stuff, or experiences, or people, or isolation, right? We have these different responses to pressure, and we all have these different runs when it comes to that pressure hitting, and I'm just talking about general pressure in life, and so I want you to think about it for a moment. What are the pressure points for you? Is it relational? Is it workload? Is it, is it financial? Uh, um, is it experiential? Is it circumstantial? Like, what are the things that really caused you to, to start to feel the pressure and anxiety? Well, that's just normal pressures of life. We all have these kind of knee-jerk responses, and they're not always the, the appropriate or the right ones. Um, here, here's what's interesting. We're walking through um, this letter from First John, and John, as he's writing, he's actually writing to some followers of Jesus who are under some serious pressure. Okay, and so it's probably pressure different than you and I are in, right? John is like 80 to 100 years old. He's kind of like Grandpa John in this season, and he's riding with a ton of authority because he, he saw Jesus die, was buried, rose again, had breakfast with Jesus, walked with Jesus, and he carries a, a ton of authority when it comes to representing Jesus to the early church. But right now, they're in a ton of opposition and a ton of pressure externally. And, and one of the big ones right now is that there's these guys coming in saying, hey, like Jesus, great guy, great teacher, all that stuff, but he wasn't really God. He wasn't really God, you know, you know, born in human flesh. He didn't really die for our sins. He didn't really rise again. There's not really a need for forgiveness of sin. I mean, they're basically saying the whole Christianity thing is unnecessary. And so there, there's this church that's experienced, and all these followers of Jesus, they're experiencing heavy opposition 
to just what it means to be a follower of Jesus in general, okay? We're not, I mean, just very generic opposition. You know what's ironic? Is, is that John is writing this letter to encourage, to help out with that pressure. But what's funny is there's some other pressure going on that he doesn't even mention in the letter that if it was me, I mean, I mean this would be a big deal. Because simultaneously, while there's these false teachers and there's this external pressure of like, hey, are you, are you gonna stick it out with Jesus? Are you gonna hold on to what you believe about Jesus? Are you gonna follow Jesus? Not just believe in Jesus, but right, Jesus calls us to be like, like disciples, like followers, like apprentices. Like, are you going to keep walking with Jesus when the pressure hits, right? That's the letter and, and the focus of John's writings. But then simultaneously, since Jesus rose from the grave and since he launched the church and since this movement started, there has been this constant pressure of literally threatening their lives, so it's not just like, like, like mental, you know, what do you believe and why do you believe pressure. It's not just a social pressure of, you know, some people might not like you because you follow Jesus, but there's actually like opposition to their lives. And I don't know about you, but like I start thinking about like what does it take, like, like how, how convinced do I have to be, how sold out do I have to be in this Jesus thing that when my life is on the line, I'm like, Hmm, are we, we going to hold out on this, right? So John, he's the last living disciple. There's 12 other guys. They're all dead, not because they got old, <laughs> okay? They're all dead for following Jesus. There's tons of individuals that have been persecuted for their faith, thrown in prison, murdered for their faith. And so you have that simultaneously going on, and John doesn't even write about it because it's just that normal. <laughs> it's like that normal for them that following Jesus comes with a little bit of pressure. And so you've got to ask the question. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey, when it, when it comes to evaluating faith, but you got to ask, like, like, what makes you keep going back to Jesus in the middle of all of that? Because you and I, right, I mean, we have pressures that kind of derail our faith, and we have pressures that distract us, and we have normal life happening, and so Jesus might, might move into a subcategory, or Jesus, you know, kind of moves into a, a priority, but, but, but these other things are taking my focus and attention, but like, when your life is on the line, I mean, I, I feel like that becomes a pretty pressing issue, right? Like, this is a big deal right here, and so what makes you keep running back to Jesus in the middle of that? And, and I want to encourage us today because I think John, and this is all, all in prep for what he's going to write today, John would say, hey, listen, I, I, don't, I don't follow Jesus because, you know, the Bible says, right? because there was no Bible to say so when John was there. John would say, hey, I follow Jesus because I, I walked with him. I heard the, the, the things that he taught, and, and, I, and I, I believed he was who he said he was, but then I saw him die. I saw him brutally murdered on a cross, and all of us, every single one of us, we lost hope. We thought Jesus was crazy. He was a liar. He clearly wasn't who he said he was. He clearly didn't come to do what he said he was going to do. And then I kid you not, three days later, he's alive again. I had breakfast with him on the beach. And like after that point, like, you know, when you see your friend resurrect from the dead, you just kind of believe everything they say after that, right? John, that's where John is today. He says, so listen, I don't, I don't have a the Bible says faith or I hope so faith. Listen, I have a tangible faith in a resurrected rabbi, right? I mean, he is God in the flesh. That's where John is coming from. And so this is the reason that the early church has no problem dying for their faith. Because it's not something made up or something a book says somewhere. It's something they saw with their eyes. Now watch how John opens the letter, or rather chapter 4, verse 1. He says, beloved, over and over again. Again, Grandpa John, you know, he's got this like incredible heart, maybe a little more tender than he, than he started out as a young man. And he, and he always, like over and over again, he starts his, his conversations in this letter with uh, an identity statement. Beloved. And over and over again, John brings us back to, before he tells us what to do, he wants, her, wants, us, wants, wants to remind us of, of who we are. 
And this is so important. Why? Because identity informs our activity. So again, I I realize like some of you might not be followers of Jesus. You're wrestling with faith and what you believe. Some of you are followers of Jesus. You're new to faith. Some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. And I just want you to wrestle with this question right now, just in your mind, in your heart. Who am I? And and when you ask that question, more specifically ask, what, what defines me? Where do I find my significance, my my self-worth, my identity? Because you and I live in a culture that loves to to build identity around activity. And John is flipping it and saying, hey, listen, your identity can inform your activity, but if we get this backwards, it can do some damage to what it means to follow Jesus. And here's why this matters. Let me me help you understand, because John is going to build an argument today to encourage us in following Jesus, but there's some foundational pieces that you and I have to get. That, that Jesus did, didn't just come to make us better behaviors, right? Religion would say, hey, it's about what you do and your activity and be a good person and, and you know, don't kill anybody and like, you'll probably go to heaven when you die, right? It's a morality-based faith. And there's lots of world religions that find their premise, their foundation on morality. And Jesus comes and he flips the script and he says, listen, you could never, no matter, I mean, you could be the best person in the world, but the morality isn't going to do anything for you. You can't get there. You can't be good enough. So I'm going to be good enough for you. So Jesus didn't come to make us better behaviors, right? Which is sometimes what we get from from this idea of church and religion. Jesus didn't come to make us less of a mistaker, right? Because we all got those things going on. I I need you to hear me. Listen, Jesus came, and he, he made some radical statements. Jesus came to forgive sinners and then make them saints, Like, Jesus came to flip the identity conversation, okay? That you and I would have a change in identity, and it would change everything else. Jesus came to forgive sinners and make them saints. Jesus came to take children of the devil, strong language, like little Scooby-Doo at times, right? He, He came to take children of the devil and make them children of God. He came to take the spiritually dead and make them spiritually alive. You you see just the incredible contrast we're talking about here? We're talking about a complete identity shift. 2 Corinthians 5 says that anyone who follows Jesus is in Jesus. They're a new creation. Jesus didn't come to just make us better. He came to make us new. But here's the problem when when we start thinking about what it means to follow Jesus is that there's this Western construct that creeps into what it means to follow Jesus. And, and Peter Scatzero says it this way. He says that you and I need to think about what it means to follow Jesus, that we're following the crucified, not the Americanized Jesus. Because so, sometimes we have this idea that, that Jesus makes life better, and, and frankly, he does. He genuinely does. The problem is how you and I define better. And John, John will remind us, like, like, right, we're following a crucified Savior. Meaning, meaning Jesus was not uh, living a life absent of suffering, absent of persecution, absent of difficulty, absent of pressure. And sometimes, and it's unfortunate when this happens, it's not always intentional, good intentions, Jesus genuinely makes our life better, but how how we hear that and how we define it matters. What what we we hear sometimes is, you know, give your life to Jesus, he's going to make everything better. All your problems go away. He forgives you of sin, and your financial stuff gets all figured out, and you don't have any more debt, and your relationships are just better, and all of a sudden you're still in debt, <laughs> and your marriage is falling apart, and you're still struggling with habits that you wish you weren't struggling, right? And you look at that, and you're like, okay, Jesus, what's up? I thought you were going to take care of all of this. 
and it's because, it, because it's, it's how we define this idea of better. So let me give you some just quick notes, because I don't want us to be confused in th- today's conversation, thinking that when Jesus makes us new, everything just gets easy. That's not the invitation. I think it genuinely is better, but it doesn't mean it's easy. So a couple of thoughts. When it comes to following Jesus, uh, um, there's going to be the pressure that, that, that comes in, and, and it comes from this space of, of wanting to be liked. Anybody like to be liked in the room? Just me? Cool. You know, I love it when you don't respond. It makes me feel like you like me a lot. It's just my favorite. I like to be liked. And sometimes following Jesus, it, it, it causes a little bit of pressure. And so you and I struggle with this popularity. I have a decision to make when I'm following Jesus. I, I, I can be popular with Jesus or I can be popular with the world around me, right? Sometimes that happens. And so, so if you struggle with popularity like I do, sometimes it leads us to, to say like yes to something that we, that we want to say no to. You ever done that? Like you say yes even though you know on the inside you're like, oh, I do not want to help you move. <laughs> That's a joke. Everybody loves to help their friends move, right? Never say that, right? Uh, popularity can sometimes push us to, like, refuse to speak up in fear of rocking the boat. Uncomfortable conversations, we're like, oh, man, we can't have any disagreements. Can't, can't, can't compromise the relationship, right? So sometimes um, it causes us, when we struggle with, with following Jesus, and we have these pressure points, and sometimes it, it causes us to remain silent about our fears or concerns for fear of how, how we might be re- perceived, right? Like, there's these things that go on when we, we start to struggle, like, okay, am I going to follow Jesus or not? Here's what Peter Scatzero says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. He says, freedom in Jesus comes when we no longer feel the pressure to be significant or important in the eyes of others because being popular and significant with Jesus is enough. And here's what I love about the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus is that Jesus doesn't criticize our need for affirmation. We all have that, right? Like, you just need, somewhere deep in your soul, like, you need affirmation. Jesus doesn't criticize that need. He redirects it. He says, the affirmation that you're looking for is found in the Father. Not your performance, not what other people think, but in your relationship with me. Speaking of which, like, if you haven't been baptized, I'd encourage you to consider what that means for you and taking that next step because baptism is this incredible moment when you demonstrate externally what Jesus has already done for you internally. Baptism, baptism is, is this moment externally when we are celebrating the affirmation of God, not because of anything we have done, but everything he's done for us. It's an external celebration of an internal transformation. It's an identity statement. You got, this makes sense to you? So today, John's going to dive into identity, and the reason this matters, the reason we're talking about this, is because our identity genuinely influences activity. And if you're like me, sometimes your identity struggles between following Jesus and being liked by others. And so following Jesus is going to lead to some pressure points. That's that's John's point today. It's going to happen. And John's goal today is that pressure points us back to Jesus. That when you and I experience pressure as followers of Jesus, it points us back to Jesus. You guys ready? Get into it? All right, let's go. Verse one. He goes on and he says, hey, beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. He gives us this instruction to test the spirits. Not like, um, you know, going to the Rayback and and like getting a flight. That's not what we're talking about, Okay. That is funny right there. I thought of that this morning, and I laughed out loud to myself. Okay, no, we're not talking about that kind of spirits, okay? Testing the spirits. What he's talking about is, is this. Listen, if you're taking notes, this is really important. Information is spiritual. 
There, there's no neutral information. Information is spiritual. So what he's talking about is, is these teachers and, and the, the spirit by which they're communicating. And he's saying, hey, listen, you need to pay attention to the source of the information that you are taking in. You and I live in one of the most incredibly complex information overload periods in human history, right? We have access at our fingertips constantly to more than we can comprehend, understand, or hold on to. And he's saying, hey, listen, not everything is good and right and true. You guys know that, right? Like, not everything you read on the internet is true. I mean, in case you, I mean, you need to help me get the word out in case you didn't know. Not everything on the internet is true. And, and, and here's the deal. Listen, I want you to think about it. Like, again, John's kind of writing as a grandpa to children. I want you to think about children. When, if you're not a parent, you can kind of put yourself in this position. You know, I, I want my kids to be innocent, but not naive. See the difference? Innocent is aware of right and wrong, and then having the discernment and the ability to make good and right choices. Understanding that there are things that are not safe for them, not good for them, not good for others. But naive is an unawareness to things. Right? Naive actually puts us in a place to where we could actually get hurt. Right? Naive would, would allow my children to be easily deceived. That's what John is talking about here. He's like, hey, listen, like, I, I don't, as children of God, I don't want you to be deceived. I want you to pay attention. Now listen, this is where it gets weird. Some people take this verse and they like get out their whack-a-mole hammer and they get ready to fight. They're like, yeah, test the spirits and there's right, right and wrong and they, you know, just go around like clocking people for wrong statements. That's not the spirit here. That's not the spirit at all. Here's, here's the, uh, um, the disposition that, that John's gonna lean us into today. He, he's gonna say things like, don't be a critic when we're testing the spirits, but rather be a Christian, <laughs> Okay. What that means is we're going to take Jesus seriously when he said, hey, pay attention to the log in your own eye before you start looking at other people. So listen, as, as a follower of Jesus, we're not critical of the culture around us. We recognize that there are things that are true and false, good and bad, right and wrong, but at the same time, we don't walk around with our hammers looking to smash people who are different than us. As Jesus followers, we take a more serious look at ourselves than we do at others. Does it make sense? I heard one theologian say that, that if, I'm, if I'm honest with myself and I pay attention to what's going on inside of me, there's so much stuff that Jesus is dealing with inside of me, I don't have time to, to like be judgmental towards your stuff. That makes sense? And so it's this disposition that I'm going to be discerning but not critical. I'm going to be discerning. I'm not going to compromise my faith, but I'm not going to be critical overtly and just walk around with my whack-a-mole mallet looking for someone to devour. <laughs> you guys with me on this? This is the spirit that he's talking about. So let, let me give you like, just some expectations when it comes to this conversation. Um, for us, and, and I, I really think this is the, the proper disposition, is that we want to believe the best of people, yes? Right? We, we genuinely want to believe and hope the best in people. We don't want to be naive, but we also don't want to be cocked and ready to go, just ready for a fight. See the difference? We want to be discerning when it comes to the way that we're living our lives. And so we're going to take the posture of, of not a critic, but a Christian. And so the goal is that I'm being more discerning of what's going on inside of me than I am critical of what's going on inside of you, Okay? But there's a couple of things that we want to really pay attention to. Um, I, I don't know where it comes. Like, this is more like a, a, a you know, head and heart conversation today, that what's in our head influences our heart and influences our hands. And so you guys have to, like, sit in that with me. But, but sometimes, like, people jump on information, like, 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 just ready to, you know, throw down the hammer. I have people come to me all the time, like, Drake, I don't, I don't agree with everything you said. And I'm like, me either. <laughs> like, like you, you ever agree with 100% of the things you say? Is it possible for people to like learn and grow and change and, and be informed? Yes, right? And so again, we're not being critical. We're doing real research to understand what we believe, why we believe it when we're following Jesus. But again, before we test others, the goal is that we also test our own hearts. 
So you ask the question, listen, just as a follower of Jesus, listen, you shouldn't believe everything that I say. You should test it for yourself. You should pick up your Bible. You should understand and learn and grow, but understand that like a, a quick Google search might not give you the answers that you're looking for, okay? But ask the question, like, am I humble? A- am I willing to learn? Like I'm not Jesus 2.0 up here. You guys with me? Neither are you, okay? <laughs> in case you're wondering. But we have things to learn, things to grow in. And so am I humble? Am I willing to learn? Am, am I, or, or am I like motivated to prove somebody wrong? This is the wrong spirit. So we're going to believe and hope the best. But some people have this disposition when, when it comes to testing the spirits and disagreement. And I'm just trying to give you some tools today. Um, some people say, like, I, I can't be friends with someone I disagree with. You guys heard that? Or they might not say it out loud, but they act like that. And I, and I think that that's completely contrary to the way that Jesus lived his life. Here, here's the deal. I think you can make a point, a point or you can make a difference but you probably can't make both at the same time. You with me? And so you and I can live in a culture, we do live in a culture, we live in a very post-Christian culture where following Jesus means there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some things that people disagree with. But disagreement doesn't mean I'm not your friend. I can love you and serve you in that space. And so he's saying, hey, test the spirits. Pay attention to what you believe and why you believe it. But make sure you don't adopt the posture of a critic in the process. So uh, think about it this way. Fear plays defense. This is where some people go. Fear plays defense in this, in this conversation. Like, you know, uh, it's a scary world out there and there's a lot of bad information and so we're just gonna isolate and hide and protect ourselves and cover up and, you know, not let any of the bad stuff touch us, right? That's not the heart of Jesus here. Jesus is calling us to love and love plays offense. That I'm gonna hang out with people I disagree with. I'm gonna be friends with people I disagree with. I'm gonna be friends with people that look nothing like me, act nothing like me, and I think I can honor Jesus in the process because I can love you and serve you and disagree with you and still be your friend. I cannot be a critic while still being discerning and not compromising. Does that make sense? This is a really hard line, guys, because we live in a culture that has this intolerant conversation of like, you either agree with me completely, or if you don't, you are therefore against me. And it's not the truth. And I think what you'll find is that as you have real conversations with real relational equity and you love the people that are different around you, there's actually space for those conversations when they actually know that you're for them, that you love them, even if you disagree with them. So, so real fast, I, I just need you to understand, like, as, as the pastor of City Church, I try often to, like, care for the direction of our church, and I just want to bring us back to this space that our church is going to consistently be known for what we're for, not what we're against. Do you guys with me? We're going to be known for who we are for and not who we're against. We want to make sure that we have the right heart in this conversation. By the way, we're going to have a series in the fall called Starting Point, and it's going to be a really, really helpful conversation in wrestling with the starting point of faith, especially those who are, are struggling with faith or what they believe or why they believe it, or if you're a follower of Jesus and you have some big questions and big asks, we're going to be going into that in the fall, and it's going to be a really helpful time to equip our church. So I just want to put that on your radar. But a couple of things that uh, uh, John's going to give us, Colin, we're going to skip to um, a couple of different tests here. So John's going to give us three tests, if you will, to help us to go into a a form of discernment, okay? So we don't want to be naive, we don't want to be foolish, but understanding like following Jesus is going to create pressure. So what what kind of like, what are we looking for when it comes to being discerning in a culture that's not always in line line with what Jesus teaches and and what we're called to follow, okay? He gives us three tests in aiding in discernment. The first one is the Bible test. The Bible test. Okay, you guys ready? Check it out. Verse one, the second half there. He goes on and he says, that as you test the spirits, see if they're from God, for many false prophets, John says, have gone out into the world. False prophets would, would I assume, point to John's understanding that there are some true prophets. You guys with me? 
right? Like, that's, the, that's the kind of the assumption here, that there are some true prophets. And so what John is speaking to is there are, are people that God has used to speak on behalf of him to us. There are some true prophets, and there are also some false ones. I, I was reading a study earlier this week, and uh, it said the number one objection to Christianity today, just a massive 100,000-person survey, number one objection to Christianity today is that Christians are intolerant. What that means is that you don't say that all things are equally good, right, and true. And I'm like, guilty? I, <laughs> I, I think so. I, I think we have to wrestle. So what happens when there's a disagreement? What do we do for you and I when it comes to following Jesus? The first thing John tells us is, hey, use the Bible test, right? That we have this incredible word of God that allows us to discern what is right and what is true. Spirituality, listen, listen, spirituality, we, we have a very spiritual cu culture, right? We love spirituality, and, and we, we love all things spiritual here in Boulder, but spirituality cannot be a good thing sometimes, like, we, because, we, you know, as followers of Jesus, we believe, like, there's, like, you know, good and evil, good spirits and bad spirits, not just neutral spirits, and so it'd be like you telling your kids, hey, whoever knocks on the door, whoever they are, just let them in, live with them, believe everything they say, don't worry about it, right? Just let every, every person, every stranger that comes to the door, just accept them completely without fault. No one, no one would ever say that because it, it, it's dangerous, because you don't know. And what all John is saying is, hey, test the spirits. Make sure that you understand that what you bring into your home, to your life, you understand where it's coming from, the source. And he says one of the tests that you have is, is look to the true prophets. That's where the word of God comes in. So he says, I don't want you to be unwise or undiscerning. So use the Bible test. So let me give you just a really quick understanding of this, okay? There are, there are um, open-handed issues and close-handed issues in the Bible. There are, are um, negotiable conversations and non-negotiables, okay? John is not talking about dying on the, the, the open-handed conversations. I'll give you some examples. Some of the close-handed, like non-negotiables, like you lose these and you lose Christianity, okay? Like Jesus is God become a man. Okay, like that, that's a pretty important one, okay? Jesus has got to become, sin is the problem and, and we're sinners by nature and choice. It's a pretty big deal. Jesus died in our place for our sin to forgive us and set us free, right? He rose again to save us and set us free. The Bible is God's word. We're, we're made right with, with God by grace through faith, right? There's some really important like, like top level hills to die on. Like you lose any of these and you lose Christianity. You lose what it means to follow Jesus. These are the closed-handed non-negotiables. You guys with me? Then there's open-handed ones that he's not talking about. This is where people get really weird. This is probably where you've been hurt by some Christians or you know some people that have hurt some people because they treat these like these big hammers to smack people with, right? Like Bible translation and, and the use of spiritual gifts in the church and music preference and, you know, should I wear a Jedi robe when I speak? Or, or, you know, wine or grape juice for communion or like what's your stance on alcohol or like Speedo or board shorts, I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. Right, that's not in there. Okay, just making sure. Um, right, there's open-handed issues. Listen, this is so important. There are open-handed issues in Scripture, in the Bible, that don't define Christianity. They distinguish it. Does that make sense? Same family, different expressions. Okay, John is very specifically talking about these false prophets who are actively against closed-handed issues. Jesus is not God. Jesus is not the only way. Sin is not a problem. He's trying to help us understand, hey, listen, don't, don't go to your own authority or your own understanding. Let the Bible serve you as the space 
that creates that authority for you. Okay, the second test that he gives us is the Jesus test. It's my favorite test, okay? These are not in priority, by the way. If you were to ask me, it'd be the Jesus test and the Bible test because sometimes the Bible can be a non-starter for people. Like, we believe the Bible is inspired by God and we love it and we, we dig into it constantly, but it starts with Jesus, okay? You guys with me on that? Check it out. Look, look what John says here. This is so helpful. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that what? Jesus. It's, just, it's Jesus. Jesus has come into the flesh, is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit, there it is again, of the Antichrist, literally anti-Jesus. Anything and everything seeking to displace Jesus from his rightful, rightful place in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. Anything working against that is, is out of the spirit of the Antichrist. Not some Scooby-Doo weird Halloween thing we're going to, right? It's an actual force working against Jesus which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Okay, so listen, if you're wondering, like, like, okay, when it comes to being discerning, like, not naive, following Jesus, trying to be in this space that's super helpful, like, what, what does it look like when it, when it comes to just the bare minimum? And the answer is Jesus. Like, quite frankly, listen, you're having a conversation with somebody and you're wondering what they, like, just get to Jesus. Get to Jesus and that normally clears things up, okay? Like, genuinely, like, hey, what do you believe about Jesus? I need you to know, this is the hill we die on here at City Church. That's it. Like, there's not a lot of hills that we die on. Jesus is the hill we die on. You guys with me? Jesus is the Son of God. God loved us, sent his Son to die for us in our place for our sins. He was buried, rose again to save us and set us free. He gives us new life. That Jesus is the hill that we die on. You guys with me on this? That's kind of a big deal. That is the hill that we die on. Not a lot of others. And John's point is, listen, if you can get to Jesus, it pretty much works everything else out. Again, you can disagree and still be friends. And they can be great people, amazing people, loving people that you still disagree with. John's encouraging us, check our hearts, check our posture, but make sure that we're focusing on the main things, that it's all about Jesus. That's what it is for us. Spending time with Jesus, walking with Jesus, identifying with Jesus, letting him shape and form our hearts and minds. And he gives us the last test the Holy Spirit test. So there's three tests, right? It's the Bible, then it's Jesus, and then the last one is the Holy Spirit test. test. Check, 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 check this out. In verse uh, four, he says, little children, there it is again, right, that term of endearment. Hey, Daniel, come on up, man. Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them. He's talking about the, these spiritual forces in the world that are against Jesus. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So when it comes to pressure, can we just be honest? Like, we follow a dude who was murdered, who sent out 12 other dudes who were murdered for following him. And so like, we shouldn't be surprised when not everyone loves us for being followed. So do you guys with me, with me on this? He said, hey, listen, like, you're gonna have some pressure points when it comes to following Jesus. It doesn't mean you compromise. It doesn't mean you hide in fear. It means you show up continually in, in love. Why? Because he who is in you, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus said it this way. He says, listen, there's gonna be a lot of trouble in this lifetime. Internal trouble, listen, right? If you're like me, you cause yourself enough trouble, yeah? Like, man, if I could just get me out of the way, life would be a lot better. There's internal str struggle going on. There's spiritual opposition that you and I face. 
And then there's the external influence of the world around us. And by the way, listen, when we're talking about the world, we're speaking of the value system working against God in the culture that we live in. We're not talking about your neighbors down the street, okay? We're not pointing fingers and saying, those bad people, right? It's, it's not about that. There are active things working against us inside of us and outside of us when it comes to following Jesus. And Jesus said, in this life, you're going to experience some trouble. But then he said, don't fear because I have overcome the world. And John is recalling on that moment here, he who is in you is greater than he who is in you. You and I shouldn't live in fear. But we should also recognize that there's going to be some pressure in following Jesus and how we show up in love matters. Can I be honest? This is hard, guys. Like really hard sometimes. Because sometimes that pressure gets really, really heavy. But as I lean into Jesus and I share the love of Jesus and I walk with Jesus, I can keep showing up with the people around me in love. Not scared. They also know that I love them and, and they, they can trust me, right? I'm not just like smashing them with information. He goes on and he says that they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. There's this value system that's actively against what we're doing. But we, as followers of Jesus, we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God doesn't listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He's talking about this, this agreement inside of you. So when we start talking about Jesus, we start talking about alignment, we start talking about agreement, there's this thing inside of you that starts to jump up, there's this thing inside of you that starts to stir in your mind, you're like, you know what, I agree with that, you know what, I know that's hard, but I'm right there with Jesus, I'm committed to Jesus, I'm following Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, yes, it's about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's always been about Jesus, it's always going to be about Jesus, and if you and I can center our hearts and minds on that, we're going to watch God do things in and through us we could never ask or imagine. So let me ask you a few questions as we wrap up our time together. And I've been wrestling with this because, because this is a hard line to walk. So ask yourself this question. What, what, are you, what are you known for? Circle where you live, work, and play. Are you known for what you're for? Or, or for more of what you're against? Do you struggle more with, with pride or with fear? Do you shrink back or do you get a little too aggressive? What do you believe about Jesus? Like really, like who is Jesus to you? about the Bible? Like, are you actively submitting to the authority of the Bible over your life? Are there things that God has told you to do that you're not doing? Are there steps that God has told you to take that you're not taking? Are there things that God has been working in and through you to give up that, that you're holding on to? Is an area of trust that you're being called into that you're, you're shrinking back from? And then like, think about it. Is, is any of this clicking with your spirit? Think about it. Is there anything inside of you going on? Say, man, that, there's something there. And John would say, hey, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. Working in and through you to point you back to Jesus. 
So I'm going to pray for us. I just want you to reflect, and then we're going to sing together and take communion. If you'll just bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes, and reflect with me. God, thanks so much for this moment as we reflect on your word, and, and thanks for acknowledging that there's pressure in following you. Following you is not, not always easy, but it is better.